For the children. For the children. Let us make a fool of ourselves. For the children. For the children. Hello and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Michael, your guy for Sentai, and I am joined by our very good friend. She's always chill and never canceled. The maiden of monstrous interviews, Miss Kaiju Kim. Kim, how are you doing? Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well, madam. How are you this evening? Why did we um, automatically revert to the British accent? Because that's what we do. Uh, I suppose we do. I suppose we did. Like a couple of a couple of awkward nerds just reverting to the British accent. That's how we roll, sir. That's how and, we roll. And we've offended half of our fan bases in the process. Oh, I do apologize. <laughs> Kim, <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. It's been a hot minute since you've been here. Um... In fact, I think the last time you were on was when we did uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Uh, and in that infamous episode, Travis and I spent 20 minutes <laughs> arguing over whether or not Jurassic Park was a kaiju movie. And I would argue it is still not, but I'm not getting into that today. For those who have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, go ahead and introduce yourself to our wonderful audience. All right. Well, I am known as Kaiju Kim on YouTube. I have a show called Chill with Kaiju Kim that streams live on Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern time where I chill and talk with other members of the Kaiju community. I actually had uh, Michael and Travis on not too long ago talking about Kaiju Ramen Volume 1. Kaiju Ramen? What's that? Uh, some sort of magazine these two fools are doing. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's a, weird, it's a weird thing. I don't know. I mean, I see the kaiju, but where's the ramen? I don't know what's going on. I really wanted ramen today. Uh, today was my day off, and I really wanted ramen today, but I had to settle for chili because I didn't have any. I did not have the ingredients to make my own ramen today. So, oh well. Uh, my condolences. I know, right? It's like how can how can I best how can I best spend my day off on Martin Luther King Day and not make ramen? I mean, come on! Like I feel like a, a horrible person now. You are a horrible person, but that's Thank okay. I, I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! Well, that does it for this week's episode of Kaiju Weekly, guys. We'll okay. <laughs> but no, but welcome back, Kim. It's always a pleasure when you come on. Seriously, like you're one of our favorite people. Not just not just to come on the podcast, but uh, to interact with just on and offline as well. Um, but I guess we're all online at this point. But I guess on and off cast is what I'll probably is what I probably should say. But yeah, you're one of our favorite people, Travis and I love Travis and I love everything that you that you do with your YouTube channel and all the interviews. You just had a really wonderful. You just actually published a really wonderful interview with um, Mike's Monsters, correct? Indeed. Yeah, he was a really fun guy to talk to. Um, interview went really well. Was, we bounced off each other really well. He's a good guy. Yeah, there was a lot of awkward nerd energy going on oh, in yeah. that episode. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, no I mean, Mike is a Mike is a wonderful, wonderful guy to work with. Like I, uh, we got acquainted with Mike uh, 
working on Kaiju Ramen. He did it. He did Kaiju Ramen number issue number four for us, and he does fantastic work. And I have been saying the last couple of weeks, as I'm talk, as I've been talking to a lot of people, it's like I'm a I'm a sucker to keep it PG. I'm a sucker for for good uh, toy photography. So Mike, Mike is definitely one of the best. Yeah, he does really good work. I'm very impressed with what he does. And uh, thank you for having me on the show, Michael. It is uh, good to be back. Always yeah. a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we do have a little bit of news to cover. And for those who are not familiar with our podcast or for the uninitiated, uh, we do like to cover the news on this show, uh, hence the name Kaiju Weekly. We try to cover at least a little bit of news every week. And when there's not news, we always like to play a game or something. But there is just a tiny little bit of news to cover this week. Uh, so, Kim, do you know what we have to say next? Well, I think we have to cue the beady beady. Cue the beady beady. And before we get into the real news, I do have a little bit of housekeeping to do. Uh, so, Kaiju Ramen Volume 1, the Kickstarter that Travis and I started uh, this Oh, for the first of January. Jeez, I'm just I'm forgetting what day it is. It's like oh, what is it? 17 days into January, and I'm already behind. Um, yeah, but nice. yeah, exactly. But uh, on January the one, on January one, Travis and I started a Kickstarter called Kaiju Ramen Volume One, which is a collected issue or collected book of all four issues that we've published so far, along with some goodies. Um, to do a little bit of self promotion, we are well over a hundred percent funded. In fact. Uh, we are, uh, we are, I think, I think we're a little over $1,900 over our goal. So we're like almost $2,000 over our goal um, at this point. Yeah. It's like, and it's, it's been fantastic. We're, it's so humbling to have people, uh, support us and have wonderful people like you, Kim, that have supported this thing from day one. And, um, so yeah, we're, we've, we're, we're overfunded. But we've still got about two weeks left to go in the campaign. Uh, and I just want to repeat, because if anyone who's not familiar with this project, I will throw a link into the description below um, that you can go check it out. But I want to just reiterate that the only way to get Kaiju Ramen Volume 1 is through Kickstarter, because once it's gone, it is gone and there's going to be no more. Then we just we wanted to do that because we wanted to make it very, very special to the people who have supported us and loved on us and loved on this project since day one. Um, and it's going to feature some neat things like a forward by, uh, the pod father himself, Mr. Kyle Yount and a beautiful, beautiful, let, let me just say beautiful cover by Mr. Matt Frank. And if you don't know who Matt Frank is, you've lived, lived under a rock for about 20 years, but anyway, um, yeah, the, so there's all kinds of goodies and things attached to that. There are like are several tiers available. We want to encourage all of our listeners, if you've not had a chance to go back Kaiju Ramen Volume 1 on Kickstarter, please do so because you are putting your money to uh you're putting your money towards uh helping independent creators, uh independent artists and and the like this in in this volume and this coming year. Um and we're just in you're doing a little bit of good. You're doing a, you're doing God's work, Godzilla's work by, by supporting, uh, Kaiju Rama magazine, uh, because we do our best to steward this genre and steward this, steward this fandom and this magazine as best we can. But 
that's a little, that's enough of the, of the self-promotion. I'm sure people are getting sick and tired of Travis and I self-promoting ourselves. So Kim, <laughs> we do actually have a little bit of news to talk about. That's legitimate news. Mm-hmm. Um, the first little bit of news is uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Travis and I talked about a new comic book crossover that's coming, um, coming to shelves this March, I believe this March, yeah. uh, which is Godzilla versus the power Rangers. This is a crossover we've waited for, for a long time. I know you and I both have been dying to see something like this. You are, I think you're just about as diehard a power Rangers fan as I am. Correct. Um, I don't, I think I might be, uh, not quite at your level, but, uh, close. You're close. I, I will, I will give you that. You are close. Um, but so boom studios in collaboration with IDW is going to be publishing a comic book called Godzilla versus the power Rangers. Now we've already talked about that on our news roundup episode. So if you want to know full details about that whole project, please go listen to that episode. I believe it was our first episode of the year. So it was, uh, it was the one right after Clifford. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's actually a number attached to it. It may be episode one Oh one who knows, but go look for our news roundup, um, in our podcast feed and go listen to that if you're interested in getting full details on it. But the reason why I'm bringing this back for this particular episode is, um, Freddie Williams II uh, showed showed off an, an interesting an interesting uh, cover mashup or not mashup but a cover scape or a cover something like a like a a, a a nice image of Godzilla and the Power Rangers. But what's really interesting about this, and this is something Travis and I talked about on that news episode, we were wondering specifically if there were going to be other characters from the Toho universe to show up in this crossover comic. And if this image that we found on the interwebs is to be believed, I don't think Godzilla is going to be the only quote unquote Kaiju in this crossover. So Kim, have you gotten a chance to look at the image? Um, Have you gotten a chance to look at the image yet? I have looked at the image and I do see a certain a three-headed kaiju um, in the corner there, which I'm not surprised that he may or may not be in this because, right. you know, he's Godzilla's arch enemy. Right. I am very interested to see if it's going to be like a team up, uh, if Godzilla's going to team up with the Power Rangers or, t- or it's going to be like a free for all. I'm know. I'm interested to see that too. Like the way my, the way I would personally write it, and this may be a very basic way to write it, but the way I would personally write it is, you know, the Power Rangers travel back in time or travel into this alternate dimension or this alternate alternate universe with Godzilla and other kaiju. Um, Rita Repulsa tries to control Godzilla. Godzilla, of course, cannot be controlled. Come on, people. Come on, guys. Um, so she has to turn to another kaiju to get the job to help get the job done. And then we get the entrance of King Ghidorah or King Ghidorah uh, to assist in, to assist our, our villains in the battle. But what I find really interesting about this image, and again, this is just an image. We don't know if we don't know if all this is going to come to fruition in the actual comic book, but we're just kind of dreaming here. Um, I see some, I see some interesting little, little spaceships in in that image which leads me to believe that 
maybe we're going to get an appearance by the Exilians in this crossover Ooh. comic as well. That would be really cool, actually. It'll be interesting to see what happens there because it, like, I would want to see it's thinking about it. It's like to see the moon crew with Rita Repulsa, Goldar and et cetera, all those guys, maybe Zed, but I don't, I don't, we don't know if Zed is confirmed for this comic book. I don't think so. Um, to see them team up or join forces with the Exilians will be a really interesting little, little thing. You know, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to, to see or to read. Um, I know that I'm excited for this. I've already pre-ordered. I actually double dipped on this one. I double, I bought, I pre-ordered the, uh, the, the original variant, the variant one cover with, you know, with the Godzilla and the Power Rangers. And then the, I think the variant, the number two cover or cover B is the, is the one where Godzilla is actually facing off with the dragon Zord. And I also, I, cause obviously I had to double dip, right? I mean, obviously. Yeah. So I've got both of these coming to me. I'm excited for the series. So Kim, I know we talked a little bit about this on your, on your show back when you had Travis and I on, but just kind of give us some brief thoughts on what your, what your thoughts, opinions, excitement level is for this crossover. I'm very excited for this. Um, it's always cool to see two of my childhood, you know, franchises clash together. It, it's weird and awesome at the same time. And I'm wondering, like, if it's going to take place, like, in modern day, or is it going to take place in the 90s? Because mm. we guess we see the Heisei Godzilla there. Sure. But I, I don't know. I'm I mean, very that, interested to see what they do with it. The, the design of Godzilla, I don't think that really tells me anything, because... You know, IDW has IDW has kind of really loved to lean into the Heisei Godzilla. They don't do a lot of Showa. I know when when Matt was doing the um, uh, Rulers of Earth comic, he he used uh, what was it? He used Kiryu Goji, the the mm -hmm. one from the Kiryu duology, the Godzilla mm -hmm. two thousand two for the uninitiated, the one of the suit from two thousand two. Um, so. That's, I think, but primarily, you know, IDW has been using Heisei-ish Godzillas to to do. So, I mean, and it makes sense because for a lot of fans that are, are fans of Godzilla, that are fans from the 90s, you know, Power Rangers and whatnot, probably, I would say that the Heisei Godzilla is probably the most iconic in their mind. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. So I know Heisei Godzilla, if I'm not mistaken, Heisei Godzilla, Heisei Godzilla is the most iconic for you, correct? It is. I, I'm a huge fan of the Heisei era. Um, I think that's my favorite era overall, generally speaking. So, yeah. Good to, good to know. Like it, like, like diehard Heisei fans are hard to find. I feel like, like there's a lot of, like there's a lot of Showa stands out there. And there's a, there's, there's a good portion of the fandom that really loves the millennium era with like GMK, Godzilla 2000, et cetera. But, you know, it seems like, you know, you talked about this on your show, so I don't want to kind of dig in there. I want people to go watch your show when you talked about it, but it seems like a lot of fans just don't really care for the Heisei era all that much. Yeah. It's weird. Like the Heisei era gets the most hate out of all the Godzilla eras, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And I, it's like. I don't know where the hate came from. Like maybe like a super popular person decided, oh, I hate the Heisei era. And then everyone just followed suit. Um, that's just, that, I'm assuming that's what's happening. I feel but. like it has the most continuity out of out of the franchise. Yeah, that's what that's one of the reasons why I I love it so much because of the continuity. Mm -hmm. 
for sure. But, uh, you know, bringing it back to this comic, I'm super excited. Like I, we don't know a whole lot more about it outside of just a plot synopsis. And again, if you want to hear, uh, if you want to hear me and Travis talk all about that, go listen to our news roundup episode where we kind of, we spend a good, we spend in good detail talking about, you know, this crossover comic and what it could be and what it could mean for the future of both the Godzilla and the Power Rangers franchise, because it seems like both franchises are, are getting loved on. Uh, very much so in the last couple of years. Like there's this, there's this upswell. I feel like of 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 Ranger fans, especially with Hasbro being good stewards of the franchise, and of course Godzilla. Godzilla's seen some resurgence as well in the last couple of years, or last few years rather, with with the MonsterVerse. So, should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Indeed. Yeah. So the next little bit of news is just some quick toy news, some quick collector news, because, you know, Kim, you and I both, we like our toys, you know, we, we love our toys. We, we love our toys so, so much. Um, I'm like, I know Travis is not a big toy collector. He has some and I have bought him some just as like as as thank you gifts or something like that, just to help him add to his collection. Um, but I know Travis is not huge into that collector's community as much as you and I are. But Playmates continues to expand on their GVK line of toys with two new additions, which are Battle Roar Godzilla and Battle Roar Mechagodzilla. Uh, Kim, have you had a chance to see the images of these two pieces? And what? And if you have, what do you think? I have seen. Um, I actually went on the Playmates website and watched a couple of videos on... Um, I actually saw the Battle Roar Godzilla in their lineup already. And... Um, according to the video, uh, the, the sound, they're supposed to make a sound and it sounds mm-hmm. like they got ran over by a bus. So <laughs> it doesn't sound that <laughs> well, I mean, what do you expect? What is this? This is their six inch line, right? This is, I can't remember. Seven inch. I think it is Was it their seven inch line. So what can you expect from like a, what a 13, $15 toy at the most? I mean, yeah, it's like $15. Yeah. Which like I'm not trying to hate on playmates enough people hate on playmates. I have a few playmates toys. Like, so I'm not, I'm in no room to talk. Um, but the, but it's basically playmates. Playmates are taking the same molds, the same sculpts that they've been using since the first round, since the first, um, uh, wave of toys and just adding sound effects to them, which is fine. It's, it's, you know, that's just the way the toy business goes. They take, they just reuse the molds and they do like little tweaks to them and collectors go, Ooh, ah, Mm -hmm. it's brand, it's brand new. Um, kind of, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they're fine. Like they're, they're, they're fine. I have like the, I, I don't, I don't know if I'll plan on picking these up per se, I have the version of um, I have the ver- the version of Godzilla that they're going to be using for this, which is the um, if I'm not I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of what it's called the the battle ready Godzilla where it's trying to emulate that scene in Godzilla versus Kong where Godzilla's on all fours and he's very uh, re- uh, crocodilian or whatever. So mm-hmm. like I have that one uh, and I like it. It's a nice figure. Um, I don't actually have a Mecha Godzilla, so if I act if I see one like if I see one of these out in the in the wild and I can get my hands on a Mecha Godzilla, great. But it seems like Mecha Godzilla has been the hardest one to find out of this entire wave. Um, so I mean, I'll probably grab one if I see it out and I like it enough. But it's not something I'm super excited about. But it is worth mentioning to the folks out there who like to collect toys but don't like to spend 
the price of their firstborn child or their kidney on them. <laughs> yeah, some of these figures can get uh, pretty expensive. But yeah, Playmates is reasonably priced, you know, for the quality that it is. But yeah, I I'm, I might get the Mechagodzilla one, but, you know, I kind of have to be really stingy with my money nowadays since I don't have paid work coming in right now. So gotta, gotta, hmm. but yeah. Which sidebar, if anyone out there needs video work done, I know somebody and she's great. Oh, I wonder who that is. I don't know. I don't know. It could be somebody by the name of Kai Boo. I don't know. I'm not even. It's you, Kim. I, I can't even make. <laughs> I, I can't even make stuff up right now. It's it's so late in the evening, right? Well, it's not super late. It's like six thirty. But I mean, but it, it's your day off, and your brain's not working. Yeah, properly, it, so. right. It's my day off. My brain's not working. You know all that stuff. But but no, seriously. Like people need to like. Our listeners, if you've got video projects coming up, please reach out to Kaiju Kim because she's fantastic and you need to support your local artist. Go to Kaiju Kim because she will put a loving touch to whatever video project you have. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. No problem at all. But, you know, to kind of wrap things up on the Playmate side, um, you know, they're they're good. They're going to be fun for the price. Um, I, think, I think Playmates has a good value to them and just adding um, adding a line of toys that make a line of toys that makes noise, uh, makes sense to us. So, you know, look for them in your, I don't know where they're going to be available. I'm assuming Walmart target, the usual, the usual suspect. So just be on the lookout. No clear. I don't think any release date has been said. They're probably just going to be like every other playmates toy and just pop up one day. And it's like, Oh, well, there it is. So the next little bit of news we got to talk about, and this is the last this is the last little bit of, of, of important news that we need to cover before we move on to our main topic. But we are going to get a Jurassic World Dominion extended uh, extended trailer slash preview. Uh, and we're going to get that on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, nice. Sunday, February the 13th. Uh, no specific time slot. You could probably look... Honestly, you probably look that up somewhere and it'll tell you what time slot it'll be. But... Um, but yeah, we're going to get a, we're going to get an extended, uh, look at Jurassic world dominion, which comes out in June. I think it's June 10th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, it's in, it's June 10th because, uh, June is our Jurassic June month. So we're going to do all dinosaur movies to help celebrate the, uh, the debut of, of Jurassic world dominion. So Kim, I want to ask you, have you, have you been following Jurassic World Dominion have you been following that that stuff up till up up through now not really I know that it was being made I just haven't I haven't really kept up with it too much but I have seen um the uh, last two Jurassic World films and um I'm very I'm excited for them to bring back some of the characters from the original Jurassic Park in this film Mm -hmm. so that's exciting um, yeah. I won't be watching the Super Bowl because I couldn't care less about sports, but I will definitely catch Amen. the trailer when it drops. Yeah, when it drops on YouTube the next day, I'll I'll watch it then. Amen. Like I could care less about sports ball now, and this is also coming from someone who played soccer in high school. Like I love, like I still even to this day I love to play soccer, I uh, or football for our th- or our our pals across the pond um or everywhere else in the world actually other than america um and i played a little bit of rec league basketball in middle school and high school but as but as i got older i've cared i could have cared less about sports as i've gotten older it's just i don't know it's just one more thing that i don't have time to to follow you know um 
but I do like the Super Bowl commercials. So I have to ask, what has been your favorite Super Bowl commercial to date that you can remember? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember any Super Bowl commercials. Nothing comes to mind, really. Shame on you. I don't pay attention to that stuff. I watch the puppy bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that makes so much sense. Yes, the puppy. Actually, the puppy bowl is fantastic. I'm not going to lie. The puppy bowl is fantastic. As an, if you love animals, especially if you love puppies, go watch the puppy bowl. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, isn't there a kitty bowl too? Is there a kitten bowl? I think, there, I think so. There might be. Is there a kitten bowl where it's like the whole concept? Well, basically, the whole concept, if you don't know what we're talking about, the whole concept is they film puppies in a, like a makeshift arena and they throw a ball into the middle of the arena and let them play with the football and then they try to call the plays as they're as they're playing. It's incredibly adorable, um, and I actually enjoy, and I'm with Kim. I actually enjoy that more than the actual Super Bowl itself. Yeah, totally. Check it out. Like, I mean, who doesn't like puppies? And if you don't like puppies, you're just an an awful person. If you don't like puppies, yeah, seriously, seriously. If you don't like, honestly, I get why people don't like cats, but come on, kittens. Like everyone likes kittens. They're just Come so, on, they're just so soft and they're just so anyway, we don't have time to talk. We don't have time to gush about, uh, kittens and puppies, but yes, the, the Jurassic world dominion, uh, <laughs> you'll be able to get a first look at Jurassic world dominion on Sunday, February 13th during the super bowl. So if you are a person who watches sports ball, and if you are a person who watches the super bowl, be on the lookout for uh, Jurassic world dominion should be, should be a fun time. I'll probably be like Kim and watch it the next day on YouTube but you do you. So that does it for our news this week. Uh, like I said, we had just some, just some short things that we wanted to cover. We do actually have a topic to talk about, but before we do that, every episode, we like to ask a trivia question that leads into the topic that we're going to be discussing for uh, for each episode and the trivia question that I asked during the Q and a episode that I published, uh, last week was the now retired pro wrestler, Brian Burnick used the name of which Toho favorite as his ring name. And we got some pretty, pretty interesting answers. And, um, so I guess Kim, if you want to, you and I can kind of go back and forth and, uh, mm-hmm. read these off, uh, together. So I'll, I'll start us off with our friend in Germany, Chris Degel, uh, Chris Degelman. I think his Twitter handle, if I'm not mistaken, is Degel tunes on Twitter. Go check him out. He's fantastic. Uh, he writes in and says emperor Antonio of Cetopia, which sounds like a pretty cool ring name, but that's not the right answer. Nope. All right. Um, you know, Emperor Antonio, he does kind of look like an Antonio if you look at his face. Anyway, so. Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the mutton chops and the tattoo. I think that's what does it. Yeah, that's what does it. Yeah, yeah totally. All right. Our next answer comes from Crystal Lady Jessica. And she says, Baka told me to say little man Machen, but honestly, I only did it because Minya is cute. I mean, Minya is cute. Which yeah, is, is, is for the, and for the uninitiated, uh, little man, little man, Machan or little man McCann. I think it's how, I think it's how you're supposed to say it. I believe, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, refers to the, uh, working name for the actor who actually played Minya 
in Son of Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters and All Monsters Attack, Mr. Masayo Fukuza. Uh, fu- yeah, uh, no, no, no. Masayo, Masayo um, Fukuzawa. Sorry, I have totally screwed that up. And this will not be the only time this episode that I screw up a Japanese name. I am so sorry. <laughs> um, I apologize in advance. But that little man, little man McCann uh, refers to, to that actor. So, uh, Spiderus, uh, writes in on Twitter, Godzilla or Rodan? I mean, pretty safe answers there, but I don't know. I don't know, like outside of Godzilla, outside of Godzilla, now introducing weighing in at 455 metric tons, Godzilla. I mean, that sounds cool, but that does sound cool. Yeah. And then flying in from parts unknown, Rodan. Kinda. That sounds not. Yeah, as, that, that's that not lame. That's not as cool, but you know, good guess nonetheless. Uh, Spiderus, thank you so much for that. Fantastic. All right, next we have our friend Danny Demana of Mister Danny Boy. How you doing, good sir? Very good. Right. So his answer is Brian Turbine Ocelot Burnick, and I recall he liked to. He liked to use the smack, smack, smack finishing move. I think you have to say, I don't, I think it's required that you say it like in the movie. You have to say smack, smack, smack. like. Okay. In the movie. Smack, smack, smack. There you go. That's fantastic. That makes for good radio. Um, but thank you, Danny, for that answer. Danny is again, one of our very good friends at the, at the Godzilla novelization project. Uh, the next answer comes from our friends at the Henshin Men podcast. Uh, which is the podcast run by our uh, friend Nathan Marchand and the co-host of, of Kudju Weekly, Travis Alexander. And they just write Zone Fighter, which is kind of funny because um, because in this movie that we're going to be talking about, it features a couple of Kaiju that or no, sorry, yeah, it features a couple of Kaiju that are that would show up later on in a Zone Fighter episode. So that's fun. Oh, yeah. interesting indeed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Zone Fighter for, for the uninitiated, Zone Fighter was Toho's attempt at an Ultraman series, basically. Yeah, that's basically what it was. Yeah. All right. Our next answer came comes from uh I've never heard of this guy, Nathan Marchland. Marchland, Marshawn. Marshawn. What is you know what we're just gonna go we're just gonna go with Marchland, because I think that's the way you say his name. Okay, Marchland. All right, so Nathan Marchland sent us a gif of King Kong Bundy, which is a wrestler of some sort. Mm-hmm. It actually is the name of a of a real professional wrestler <laughs> from from the eighties. Um, I remember, wow. yeah, I remember watching wrestling as a kid, and King Kong Bundy was on 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 t- on TV. Yeah, this I, was before my time then, because I don't, I I, yeah. I did watch wrestling in the past, but I've never seen uh, King Kong Bundy. Yeah, he's you know. You know, it's it's because I'm old. It's because I'm old, Kim. You are old. You're ancient. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're only like five years older than me. I'm not calling you ancient. <laughs> oh boy, it's getting deep in here. Moving on, um, <laughs> Mister Mister Jimmy from Nasada sent in a gif uh, as his answer, and his gift was his gif or gif, however you say it. Uh, was of singular point jet jaguar um which is technically 
not correct, Jimmy, because it's not the same character. It may be the same. It may be the same character to you, but it's technically not the same character in in universe. So, I'm gonna have to say this answer is is wrong. I'm so sorry. I wish I had a. I wish I had one of those buttons like. Yeah. I I have one at my dad's house. I should grab it for next time. You should. That would be so much fun. <laughs> All right, and the um another next answer here is for from forever a simp and he says jet jaguar oh okay so so does does he simp jet jaguar i i guess so i I mean his name would imply he's a simp so i I mean i'm forever a simp he forever simps jet jaguar i mean i mean it would make sense to me makes sense to me as well okay well Thanks forever a simp uh, for simping on Jet Jaguar and sending in that answer. We really appreciate it. Uh, and our final answer to this trivia question comes in from friend of the podcast, uh, Mr. Nick Blackler. Um, you know Nick, don't you, Kim? I do. Do you have Kim or uh, Nick's all over the place, man? He's he's listening to he's listening to everybody. I feel like, and he's been one of our he's one of our been one of our uh, most outspoken fans uh, since. I mean, I don't know, for probably a good, for over a year or so now, but he sent in, uh, he sent in his answer and he sent in a very well photo or a well photoshopped image. Uh, and his answer was big baby Baragon and his famous finishing move, the Baragon beatdown. And that's the bottom line. Cause Baragon said so. Okay. Well, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting a little <laughs> all deep. Right, all right. All right. Let's move it along. <laughs> <laughs> and the image for, for anyone like I totally just used the wrong re- I should have used uh, what you gonna do brother when Baragon runs wild on you because he sent in um, he sent in a, a photoshopped image of of Hulk Hogan from the 80s with Baragon's face photoshopped on top of it which like looks amazing i'm not gonna it's beautiful it's it's a gorgeous job thank you nick for doing that but um and thank you just for genuine just for uh your participation on the podcast it's always a lot of fun so thank you nick uh for that and thank you to everyone who sent in a trivia question answer as you noticed they don't always have to be the right answer they can be the right answer but they don't always have to be the right answer we have a lot of fun uh with the wrong answers too on this podcast so so we appreciate every last one of you for doing that but if you've not figured it out by now well the title probably gave away i mean yeah yeah the the title of the episode gave it away but if you've not figured it if 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 you're not figuring it out by now we're gonna be talking about godzilla versus megalon Hooray. from 1973 and i'm gonna put kim on the spot and have her read all of these japanese names that i oh. can't pronounce oh what are you doing to me okay <laughs> i'm no 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 i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher all these names will um, you to high heaven i know i know i'm gonna butcher all these names so you get to sit back and and laugh at me um my favorite thing to do right it's yeah i know it's fine uh so the godzilla versus <laughs> megalon was directed by june fukuda the score was by richiro manabe screenplay by suzeki sakazawa june fukuda uh Ten- takeshi kimura i think i did pretty good there um it stars kash 
Katsuko Suzaki as the inventor Goro. Uh, Hiro Yuki. Okay. You know. This is painful. This, you know, should I keep going or should I just quit and cut my losses? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of entertaining for me. It might be entertaining for the folks uh, playing at home, but uh, you know, it's your choice. You want to? There is a guy. There, there is a guy on here named named Wolf. Uh, there is a guy just named Wolf uh, that plays the Cetopian agent, which is fun. Uh, so you know, let's okay, okay, Shinji to Takagiri. No, that's not right. That's not right. Wow. The the that's that's not right at all. Mm-hmm. I'm so, you know, I'm just going to cut my losses and not do these. Yeah. Um, so if you want to know the cast and crew outside of who directed it, scored it, and screenplayed it, go look it up on on Godzilla Wiki, and you'll you'll see it there. Uh, because <laughs> I don't want to one, I don't want to offend people, and two, I don't want to embarrass myself more than I already have. Uh, so Kim, mm-hmm. what is our plot breakdown for Godzilla versus Megalon? Okay, so this lovely family called the Cetopians, who live underground, have been having some trouble with their upstairs neighbors, the Earth people. And they've been doing all kinds of nuclear tests, making a lot of noise, causing a lot of damage. It's obnoxious, really. Right. So the Cetopians file a complaint with their landlord, which is a giant beetle named Megalon, and they send some of their family members to steal this guy's robot, whose name is Jet Jaguar. Apparently, they need him to direct Megalon to Tokyo because they didn't have GPS at the time. I mean, this is 1973. All right. So then Kenny is like, you know what this movie needs? Godzilla. And then the dude who built Jet Jaguar is like, oh, I can totally send him to get Godzilla using this remote control device that I conveniently have. And then Godzilla gets stuck in traffic on his way to the mainland while Jet Jaguar decides to grow to kaiju size to hold off Megalon, which comes as a surprise to the guy who built him for some reason. Anyway, meanwhile... The Cetopians are like, oh, crap, we need another monster. So they call up Rent-A-Monster, and they borrow Gigan for the day. <laughs> so then Gigan and Megalon beat up Jet Jaguar until finally the star of the movie shows up and traditional Godzilla violence ensues. The end. Splendid. 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 Great job. Great job with that. I, uh, I knew I could count on you to deliver something really epic. Thank you for that. Um, and really, and really like I have the same issues with my neighbors too. I kind of wish I could call a giant beetle named Megalon and deal with them as well, but we're, we're not, we're not here to talk about that, but I, I will say, I will say, Nick, I know you're listening. I need a graphic for, I need a graphic or a logo or something for rent a monster. (laughs) So please make that happen. I know you're listening. Rent a monster. That is your assignment for this week. And we would really, Travis and I would really, really appreciate it. Uh, Anyway, Godzilla versus Megalon. It's one of those movies. Honestly, it's, it's one of those movies. It's one of those Godzilla movies that gets a lot of, crap thrown at it mm-hmm. um from from fans but in my opinion after kind of watching it this this last time um i th- i think i think there's probably there's 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 a case to be made that 
Godzilla versus Megalon is one of those films that maybe deserves a little bit of a reevaluation, similar to um, similar to how the fans kind of started to reevaluate All Monsters Attack a couple of years ago, because there is a little there is a lot with Godzilla versus Megalon to enjoy. Um, so, Kim, I'll ask you, what are your what are your opening thoughts on on Godzilla versus Megalon? Godzilla versus Megalon is one of those films where you either love it or you hate it. And I absolutely love it. This movie puts a huge goofy smile on my face every single time I watch it. It's so much fun. The music is weird, but in a good way. The fights are awesome. And it's just an overall feel good, turn off your brain, sit back with some popcorn movie. And Mm. I think this is the movie that solidified Godzilla as a hero in my mind. I personally love hero Godzilla. I grew up with him. Like even in films where he's meant to be the villain, I always see him as a hero. And I think this movie is responsible for that. Yeah, I think um, I think there have been some, I think there have been some movies up to this point where Godzilla has not necessarily been the hero per se, but like a like a very obvious hero, but maybe like the anti-hero you know, mm-hmm. which, which is kind of maybe what you're seeing there. And I, and I, and I'm not disagreeing. I think that Godzilla has played the role of hero. I think Godzilla has, or I know Godzilla has, um, the character of Godzilla, I should say, has played so many different roles within his own franchise. He's been the villain. He's been the anti-hero. He's been just the Superman or Batman type <laughs> hero. Um, like he, like, I know, I know, I know a lot of fans love, uh, terror of Mechagodzilla. And in that movie, Godzilla has his, I'm Batman moment (laughs) where I love that moment. Yeah. He has that, he has that moment where he, he is really just coming in to save the day. And I think that Godzilla versus Megalon is one of those, is one of those movies where, like you said, you either love it or you hate it. But for the most part, fans love it. But I don't know if it's I, I can't tell if it's necessarily in an ironic way, in an in an ironic way or if it's genuine love for this movie. I mean, in my case, it's genuine love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of diehard Godzilla fans love it. I was talking to Danny. Uh, I was talking with our friend Danny Demana earlier today, and he unabashedly loves this movie. And I know a lot of fans who do unabashedly love this movie. In fact, I was one of those fans who would talk pure crap about this movie. And then I go back and watch it a couple, a few more times as I got older. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is not as bad as what people like to make it out to be. It really isn't. It usually isn't in that case. They, they like to blow things out of proportion. I feel like, mm-hmm. like, like, Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. But like, just watch it again and then you'd just be like, Oh, it's not that bad. I think you, I think it's one of those movies you, you do. I admit you do have to be kind of in the mood for yeah. because you, you do have to be kind of in the mood for Like if you're in the mood for like some just upbeat, like lighthearted campy, uh, Godzilla monster wrestling fun, you know, Mechalon is your thing. Like that is totally your thing. But if you're, if you're not into that, or if you're just not in the mood for that, this may be a little, this may not be up your alley for that moment, I should say. Um, but yeah, Godzilla versus Megalon is just one of those weird. And I emphasize weird, uh, little movies that has, 
kind of come in and out of consciousness of the fandom over the years, at least at least the time I've been heavily involved in it, as either something they love or something they hate or something just they're kind of meh about. Like I grew up with Godzilla versus Megalon. Godzilla versus Megalon was one of the first um VHS tapes I ever owned of a Godzilla movie. I remember uh going to uh, I remember I was out and about with my mom. This is when I was a little younger. Um or a lot younger, uh, we were at the dollar, we were at the dollar general and they always had like a discount video rack and the tape that they had, the Godzilla tape they had there was Godzilla versus Megalon and Godzilla versus the cosmic monster, which is what was the American title was for, uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 74. And I just remember buying this videotape. It was like three bucks or it was like two bucks or three bucks and bringing it home and watching it and enjoying the heck out of it. And as I got older, I kind of fell out of love with it because I liked more of the serious stuff. Like the, like, you know, I was one of those guys that was, um, <clears throat> I was one of those guys who was like, it's either Gojira 54 or nothing. You know, I was one of those guys. Uh, but as I've gotten older, I've started to enjoy the more lighthearted stuff and, and just and to enjoy it for what it is, because there is a lot to, to enjoy here. Um, so before we get into any further into the discussion on this movie, for anyone who is uninitiated to our podcast, or if this is your first time listening, we like to do things, we like to do something we like to call our positivity sandwich. So we start with our positives. We, you know, we slap on, we sprinkle in some negatives, maybe spread some negativity mayonnaise in there, and then we try to end with some positives. So Kim, what are some, what are some big positives that you want to start off with uh, for Godzilla versus Megalon? Some big positives. Well, I've always liked the Godzilla suit in this one because I think he looks absolutely adorable. Even with his Um, doll eyes? He's so cute. I love the doll (laughs) eyes. I mean, as someone who used to be scared of Godzilla as a child, I can say this was the first time watching a Godzilla movie and not being scared of him mm-hmm. because he look he looks so child friendly and cuddly and cute. I mm-hmm. like him. I love him so much. Yeah, the Godzilla suit in this is definitely unique. This is the first time we see. Um, uh, cannot remember what the suit name of it is. I think it's. Um, I think it might be Megaro Goji or something like that. I can't remember. But this is the first time we see this suit. This is the first time it's used. Uh, because prior to this, if I'm not, yeah, it was um, it was Godzilla versus Gigan before this film, and mm-hmm. that was the that was the film that retired the um, the '68 suit, the one that debuted in Destroy All Monsters. So this was a completely this was a completely brand new suit for Godzilla, and you're right, it is it is more on the adorable side. And I think that there's a, there's a huge reason for that because this movie Godzilla versus Megalon was geared towards children or I would say younger adult, like younger adolescents. We'll say that like, because there are just, there are some kind of more, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if mature is the, is the word I'm trying to use here, but there are some higher level themes that they're trying to play with like nuclear testing and whatnot. And that's not, that's, that's something that's been touched on before in Godzilla films and any, and like a lot of Kaiju films uh, touched on the, the concept or the idea of nuclear testing being bad. But you know, this movie is, was, was done to be something very accessible to a younger audience. And I think that's, that's clearly reflected in in the Godzilla suit itself. 
Yeah, and like the what you were talking about, like with the nuclear themes and stuff. I think that's why, um, why I like this film so much. One of the reasons, anyway, is because you know they take something like something serious like nuclear testing and they make it accessible for kids. And yeah, I think that's what they were going for at that time. Toho um, making Godzilla more accessible for kids. That's right. why they why they entered in what I like to call Godzilla's derpy phase. well to be fair gamera had already like gamera was already in it's in his derpy phase at this point and i yeah so you know the the progression of godzilla being you know this is not the first time we've seen godzilla be kid friendly or family friendly like it Mm -hmm. started with god with son of godzilla i think yeah it started it started with son of godzilla and then Godzilla kind of progressively got more family friendly as the franchise moved along. And this was just kind of that. Um, I think that was just like the, this, this film was just sort of the culmination of that, like bringing all that stuff that they had learned up to this point about like viewership and and what kids liked and what families wanted to, and what families wanted to, um, what families wanted to come and see. This was just sort of the culmination of that. And it was, it was, it's a really interesting progression to see that happen within the franchise. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So one of my positives and um, one of my positives for this, for this particular movie is the score. And we touched on it a little bit in the, um, in the opening conversation, but this has one of the more unique scores to a Godzilla movie. You don't hear at all the Godzilla March. Like this is one of the few times you don't hear the dun, 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 dun. You don't hear that. You don't even hear like the more upbeat version of that Godzilla March at all. Like this score is completely like completely brand new. It's weird. It uses a lot of like different, like kind of uh, like psychedelic sounding sound effects to it. And it just, it's very, it's very 1970s. I thought. In my opinion, it's, yeah, it's, I it's, agree. it's, it's very 1970s, but it's, it's fun. It's weird, but it's fun. Yeah. That was one of my positive as well as the soundtracks and, and the score. Like it's bouncy. Like, you know, you listen to your, you're watching a movie, you're listening to the music, you know, I'm, I'm at least when I, I hear bouncy music, I like bounce up and down as I'm watching and I smile and I have a good time. <laughs> I can just picture you like, as you're watching Godzilla versus Megalon, you're just kind of, you're just kind of bouncing along in your chair. I do, I do. I just, love it. <laughs> just, just, just living your best life. I can see that, you know, it's, it's a lot of, like this movie is a lot. This movie is a lot of fun. This movie is a lot of fun. You know, one of my other one, one of my other positives, and I was uh, as I was kind of uh, uh, watching this, was in this movie we got not one, but we got two new. We got one new monster, but two new suits. And by and I'll and I'll explain in a minute. What the new monster we got in this um, in this movie was Megalon which in the title implies with Megalon, which is this giant roach creature with this, with, it kind of looks like a, um, in a way, he kind of looks like a rhinoceros beetle. If I'm thinking, or, uh, what is the, uh, the emperor beetle or something with the giant crest on its forehead. I can't remember the, the name of it actually escapes me, but that's what it kind of looks like. And it's completely new to the franchise at this point. And I'm not a, I'm not, I, I will admit I'm not a kaiju historian, like a lot of folks that we, we get to have, we, that we get to talk to. So I don't know exactly the history behind the Megalon suit, 
But it is really interesting that they chose this movie to do a completely brand new suit for it. And I think it worked to its, to its benefit because the Megalon suit does look, does look fantastic. It does look fantastic. Um, one other thing to mention about the suits is we, we see the return of Gigan, which Gigan is one of my favorite, uh, non Godzilla characters within the Godzilla universe. Cause I just like the design. I like, I like Gigan's look. It's, it's, it's menacing. It's, it's just really interesting because he doesn't have, um, actual hands like a typical or paws or claws, like a, like a, uh, like a typical Kaiju would, like you would expect. Uh, but he has hooks for hands. He's very like cyborg mechanical looking, especially in his debut film in 72. But in this one, they redid the suit from the ground up. And what was interesting, what was, I was talking with, um, when I was talking to our friend Danny, he mentioned that the reason why they had to do that is because the suit from the previous film was just so incredibly uncomfortable. They had to redo it so that the suit actor could move around a little bit more. And you can kind of see that in, in this film where the Kaiju, uh, you know, Godzilla, J Jaguar, Megalon and Gigan, especially are a little bit more animated. They got a little bit more personality to them. Uh, one of the things that sets this Gigan apart from the previous Gigan was in the, in the previous Gigan, there was a motorized buzzsaw in the stomach portion of the suit that is not present in this movie. Like anytime you see that it's stock footage from the previous movie. So they like everything has, was made out of softer materials, which kind of gives, um, which kind of gives Gigan in this movie a little bit of a pot belly. Uh, I call this the, I, I call this the pot belly Gigan, uh, because in, in this one, he's a little chunkier. He's got, he's put on some pounds since, um, since kind of hanging out in the, he, I, I envision him kind of maybe resting up in the, in the, uh, maybe like the monster, uh, parking lot and, and the rent a monster parking lot, just kind of waiting for his call to come in. And, you know, maybe he's, he's drinking a little bit too much sake and he's put on some pounds. Who knows? I don't know. But, you know, this suit is definitely different. And a lot of people like this Gigan suit more than the previous one. But for me, I still like the previous one more. But this one fits the characterization of the of, of Gigan for this film. I agree. Yeah, I like chubby Gigan. Chubby Kaiju are cute. <laughs> <laughs> so what, Kim, let me ask you, what did you think about our, our human cast in, in this particular film? And I could take them or leave them. I mean, I wasn't um, like super intrigued by them, but you know, mm -hmm. they were they were okay, I guess, for what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they were they were serviceable. They were serviceable. Now, let me ask you, and this is very important. Did you when you were when you were rewatching this movie, did mm -hmm. you watch it subbed or did you watch the dub? I watched the dub. Wow. You watched the dub. You just outed yourself. You didn't watch the what? sub like a good, so like, like a, like a good, you, you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me as a longtime Godzilla fan, Kim, you watched the dub guilty as charged. How dare you watch the dub? Only true Godzilla fans watch. I'm just, I can't even, <laughs> I, I can't even finish what I was going to oh say. Oh my goodness gracious. I, uh, to, be, to be perfectly, but to be like, frankly honest with you, I watched the dub too. I didn't watch the sub for this. Um, yeah, no, you got to watch the dub. The dub is what we grew up with. 
Because the the dub for this is just so glorious. It adds to the charm. It does. I, I think it adds to the charm. I, I think it does because it when you when you watch this subtitled, it's like it's not the same. It, it's not. It's like and and this is probably not gonna. This is gonna be an opinion that maybe ruffles some feathers, but it ends up just being another another Godzilla movie, but with just a bad plot. If you watch it subbed. Like you, like you just, you start paying attention to, you start, you start paying attention to how objectively not good this movie is and you ignore some, and you ignore to some degree, not fully, but you ignore to some degree, in my opinion, how fun it is. And I think for me, for me as a, as a fan of, as a fan of Godzilla and a fan of, of dubs in general, because that's what we grew, like you said, it's what we grew up with. I, I think the dub adds something to this movie that just makes it that much more enjoyable except except for our child protagonist oh i can't stand the voice for that one what do you mean jet jaguar what what do you mean that's the craziest thing i've ever heard oh you know it's uh, i don't know i can't even do it it's so awful i can't even do the voice oh um but no, this is, this is definitely, this is definitely, you know, God, the Godzilla franchise's version of a Kenny. And if for the uninitiated, a, a Kenny just refers to a child protagonist who happens to be of the more annoying persuasion. We'll say that. Mm-hmm. And it was coined because in the Gamera franchise, Godzilla's rival, they used a lot of child actors and actresses that were just a chore to, to, to watch. Well, I'll be, I'll be kind, but you know, this was Godzilla's, this was Godzilla's Kenny, you know, yes, it, for me, it, it doesn't really drag the film down, but Mm -hmm. when he's on, when the kid is on screen, it's like, I want to fast forward through everything this kid is about to say because it's yeah, just it's just like, I don't mind. I kind of don't mind that you're there, but can you just like not speak? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like such an annoying voice. Like they couldn't pick a less annoying dub actor. <laughs> who knows? I don't, I don't I, who, who, who knows? But like the, the other, the other human, the other human protagonists are fine. Goro is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the inventor character, uh, and our, um, and his partner, his friend, his race uh, car driver friend, his race car driver friend, which yeah, is so, uh, speed racer. so random. Like it's so random. There are yeah. so many car chases mm-hmm. and vehicle, let's just say vehicle chases in general in yeah. this movie. And, you know, I was, again, I was talking to, I was talking to Danny about this movie and he said, yeah, you know, a lot of that was just put in for, to pad the runtime. Which, yeah, you know, in my and in my in my notes, I wrote chase scenes equal equal easy padding. Poor Fukuda really wanted to direct an action movie, and that was um, that kind of came up through conversation with our friend Danny. And um, I mean, it's 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 true. Like they used a lot of like the race car stuff to pad the runtime of this movie. In fact, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of runtime padding. There is so much. There's so much. Yeah, I actually I don't know if we're getting into our negatives yet, but yeah, uh, that was part of my negatives. It's like I feel like. The car chase scenes went on just a touch too long. Right. Especially yeah. towards the beginning. Yeah. I feel like they could have shortened that just a bit. It's just, yeah, like, they, okay. yeah, just a little bit, but I, I get it. They're trying to, they're, they're trying to turn a, 
a what is essentially a 25 minute a 25 minute film into a, a feature length movie by just padding the runtime and using all kinds of stock footage. Like I feel like I feel like Godzilla was swimming for like half the movie. He really was. Like, listen, I timed the amount of time where <laughs> I timed it. And Godzilla is only in the film for like 16 minutes, which that that's not bad, but I think that's pretty close to the, the amount of time he's in some of the other films. But it's you, can close, really, yeah. you can really feel his absence in this one. Like 15 out of the 16 minutes he's in the scene takes place towards the end of the film. And then... Yeah. It's just, it just kind of, it it feels obvious. And yeah. yeah, he's swimming for like ages. Like he gets stuck in traffic in the water or something. He runs into a whale or something. I don't know what's taking him so long to get there. <laughs> he's, he's just, he had to stop in the middle of the Atlantic. Just, he had to stop in the middle of the Pacific, I should say. He had to stop in the middle of the, the Pacific to let the whales cross. And he's just kind of sitting there like, come on, guys, I got to I got to get I got to get somewhere. Come on, Megalon's acted a fool. I got to go. Right. I got to go. Like, I'm I'm still going to I'm still going to get there in time, but I need to get there early just so I can get this done and over with so I can go back home. Um, That's the internal dialogue that I'm kind of putting (laughs) on to on Godzilla for this movie. But what's interesting about that is, um, you know, when the competition to design the new robot Jet Jaguar began, it was made very clear that it would be an ally to an, in an upcoming Godzilla film. Um, specific when when Red Alone, which was the name, I think it was the name of the robot uh, itself, um, was when it when it won, he was included in uh, a script that was already being uh, written by Sekizawa uh, called Insect Monster Got Insect Monster Megalon versus Godzilla: The Undersea Kingdom's Annihilation Strategy. So. You know, this this movie was intended to be a a Godzilla movie from the get go. It just doesn't necessarily feel that way. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. Because Godzilla, like I said, Godzilla is only in it for like the final 15 minutes of the film. Aside from like here, like a bit of stock footage at the beginning, but that's about it. Which too, well, some of that was a lot of that was like destroy all monster stock footage, but some of it was new footage. Like yeah, you can some tell, of it was new. some of it was new footage when they used the the new suit, and but mm-hmm. it's very there was very little of it. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, and again, I was talking to Danny about this. Um, he mentioned that it kind of it it helped build. Yes, Godzilla doesn't it doesn't feel like a Godzilla movie per se. It was in, it's intended to be a Godzilla movie. Godzilla's name is in the title and Godzilla was there obviously you know, for the marquee value, but um you know, them holding on to him for so long and saving him for maybe the last 20 minutes of the film really built up the anticipation. I, for for it really built the anticipation for Godzilla because really you know we we love our human characters we love a good story but we're here to see the monsters and we're here to see Godzilla no matter how great a character Jet Jaguar is uh, we still want to see Godzilla and it, it this movie just doesn't feel like like a Godzilla movie to me yeah at least not till the last 15 20 minutes of the film. So we're, you know, we're kind of, we're wading back and forth from our negatives and our positives. Um, so Kim, what is, what is some more, what are some more negatives that you had for this movie? 
I didn't have too many negatives, to be honest. I mean, we kind of mentioned some of them already, you know, the padding of the runtime and the stock footage. But, I mean, the stock footage clips, it wasn't nearly as bad as it was in All Monsters Attack. Like, it wasn't, like, as blatantly obvious as it was in that movie. But, you know. Yeah, I think they used stock footage. uh, I think they used it really well here. They did, yeah. Yeah, they used it really well. Like, Like, All Monsters Attack, love it or hate it, was intended to be like a sort of a clip show. Like it's, it's, it's there for kids. It's there. It's there to maximize as much kaiju footage as humanly possible for, for the children. Um, but for this, like the, you can, you can tell when there's stock footage because they used a lot of stock footage from, uh, I think it was, they used it. They used several, uh, stock footage from, they used it from Godzilla versus Gigan, uh, Ghidorah, the three headed monster, uh, specifically when, when Megalon is attacking the city and using his lightning, his horn, and he can shoot lightning out of his horn. And they use the stock footage from Ghidorah, um, to, to kind of help pad the runtime there, try to help add the effects there. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they also used a clip from war of the gargantuas when Megalon's going through the trees. Uh, that is, that is a very common, yes, that is a very common piece of stock footage that they like to use when there is a, a military battle in the, in the, uh, countryside, they like to pull out that old, uh, war of the gargantuous stock footage. Yeah. Uh, there, but you know, overall though, you really can't tell. There are some instances where you, you catch like really quick glimpses of Geigen when Geigen's not even showed up yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you see some of that stuff. Um, there was one instance where you know, the, the planes were coming in to attack Megalon and Megalon jumps up to SWAT the planes, but instead they use footage of Geigen's claw swatting the planes. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, but that stuff really like that stuff really is not as obvious Unless you're looking forward, unless you're list, unless you're looking forward for it. There we go. Unless you're looking for it, um, as it would be say in, in other films. So there was just a lot of stuff here that was to help pad the runtime. And I, I think that's probably one of the biggest complaints I have about this movie is there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of unnecessary things that helped make this a quote unquote movie instead of just a, uh, a, just a 25 minute henshin show i guess this is kind of negative too um um so when i first saw this movie i it got recorded off the of tv so some um clips were cut out but when i watched it on the dvd i noticed something in the back of the truck where the seat oh, no. are oh, no uh <laughs> it's a little something that's the hmm, not meant for the eyes of children are we no, wait? Mean, hang on. What are, are are you putting this in your positives or negatives? Because depending negatives. on because depending on who you ask, this could either be a positive or a negative. We're, for we're, me, it's a negative. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about anyone else. I'm not going to speak for you or anyone else. But for me, that's not something uh, that needs to be there. But right. it's there. Yeah, and it's um for for those for those who are uninitiated. There is an infamous little there. It's not really even a, it's not pointed out in any specific way. It's just there. Uh, but in the scene where the Cetopians are are in the truck and they've got our protagonists in the, in the crate in the back of it, you can clearly see some mm. photos of some mm. 
of some um some, people, some uh, people who are some, um they forgot their clothes at home yes they were they were definitely they were definitely in their birthday suits we'll say that yeah yeah so yeah that's one of those weird that's one of those weird like like canon things about the Godzilla franchise it's like technically technically this is the first this is technically the first uh Godzilla movie to show nudity in kind of an indirect way uh and then later on we we see more we see more in in terror mecha godzilla which we don't we, we won't go into that but yeah it's kind of it is it is a little bit weird when you're when you're watching this on tv or you're watching i don't even, i honestly i remember watching this movie on i think it was new year's day i was at julie's house and we were watching we were watching godzilla movies and i i want to say yeah we were watching godzilla versus megalon and i cannot remember though if that scene was in there or if it was just blurred out or if it was just in there i i can't remember um but i would and t- i i remember watching this movie on tv as a kid and that not that definitely not being there and then yeah because it wasn't until i watched it as an adult on the dvd it was like yeah. oh there's a hmm there's a nudie mag there okay Alrighty that's then that's cool i mean you do you but whatever <laughs> Oh dear. But no, yeah, it's just, like I said, it's just, it's just one of those weird little canonized things within the Godzilla franchise that a lot of people just, you know, it's there, it happened, you know, move on. It's fine. Whatever. It's it's okay. I mean, you can only really see it if you look for it. Right. If you're not really paying attention to it, you can, you can barely see it. Like we talked about, like we talked about earlier, this is definitely intended to be a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some deeper themes within this movie, specifically talking about, you know, nuclear testing and the effects on the environment and, and what happens when mother nature, um, basically lashes back, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and those are in my, and those are, those are themes that like a lot of young kids, the audience that this movie is intended for might not necessarily, uh, can, can grasp to like, I know that, um, I know Japan's relationship with, with, with nuclear testing and things is a lot different than, than our relationship here in the States, but you know, it's still a pretty, like a pretty heavy theme or pretty heavy something to address even in a, in what is intended to be a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I was just going to ask you kind of what your thoughts on that are. Um, does it add to the story or does it just, is it more or less just there as a plot point and it doesn't really get addressed in a, in a meaningful way? Uh, I'm, I mean, I feel, I'm feeling like it's just kind of there. I mean, I think it's just there to move the plot along and give sure. Megalon a reason to exist. Right. Um, because they, they do kind of like briefly at the end like like oh we're gonna warn the scientists about you know nuclear testing and stuff like that but it's literally just a throwaway line at the very tail end of the movie so i don't think it really holds much weight yeah yeah it's it's just there to it's just it's just there to give our pro our antagonists our cetopians 
a reason to attack the surface. That's pretty much it. And it's, it's a pretty convenient thing to do. Like there's a lot of like convenient plot points. There's a lot of plot. There's so, there's so many conveniences in this movie. It's there's ridiculous. so much plot convenience in this movie. Like, um, in my, like, Oh, Jet Jaguar can just, you know, suddenly, you know, change his size. Yeah. Like, what? It's like, I didn't know he could do that. Like, well, maybe he just magically learned by himself. Like, like oh, oh he reprogrammed himself. Yeah. That should be a little concerning, actually, if a robot reprogrammed himself to do something. Like, I would be uh, scared. Maybe uh, maybe Jet Jaguar is the early, it's the early um, uh, iteration of Skynet. Oh, yeah. So, Yikes. so maybe, maybe Skynet from, maybe, maybe the Terminators from from the Terminator movie and the, from the eighties, maybe they were actually the, an evolution of technology derived from, from jet Jaguar. That is a possibility that is terrifying to think about, but, and it's probably a, a really dark place to go. If anyone wants to write a fanfic about that, about jet Jaguar going rogue and, you know, basically, uh, being kind of like I robot, but Yeah in a, in a Japanese film. I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm, I, I'm probably just talking out of my butt at this point, just making stuff up as I go. As I, I mean, do. how as, is that any different than any other time? As I tend to do, I was just going to say like, and tra- <laughs> I know when Travis listens to this episode, he's going to say, well, you just do that anyway. Don't you? I was like, well, yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, one of my other, one of my other negatives, uh, for this, speaking of the Cetopians, Speaking of the Cetopians, like I kind of want more backstory about the Cetopians, honestly. Yeah, like we barely get anything. Like we get like a little bit of um, backstory from Antonio there, but uh, it's just kind of glossed over for the most part. Yeah, it's just there to, again, move the story along. Yeah. Bless you. Thank you. Um, but I, I really just, I really just wanted more backstory. Cause I feel like, I feel like there's, there's more to explore there with the Cetopians than what we, what, what we got. Like, I want to know, I basically want to know what their civilization was like before, you know, before we started nuclear testing, uh, why their God or why their mercenary is a gigantic roach kaiju. Um, or and and who and who tailors their outfits because those white those white togas are just not flattering at all. Um, no, they, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be caught dead and wearing one of those. Well, you know, like it, it takes a special. I mean, I mean maybe you would. You would, but I'm no, 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 no. I, I, no. I haven't. Honestly, I haven't I mean, been. Uh, honestly, I think you could totally rock a toga. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I've been, I've been to one toga party in my life and I hated it because it was incredibly uncomfortable and I had a draft the whole time. So uh, take yeah, that. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Take that as, take that as, as any way you want to, but anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I just kind of want, I, I wanted more backstory on the Cetopians, uh, because I think there's just, there's a lot there that could be expanded upon. And I know, I think it's, I think people have tried in like fanfics and comics and things. They've tried to do it, but it would just have been really nice to have a little bit more explanation uh, about the Cetopians and what, what the civilization was like, th- quote unquote, three million years ago. Like those people look astoundingly well for three million years old. I would just say that. 
Um, maybe but, there's some sort of fountain of youth in Zootopia. Maybe, like maybe we just need to go down there and drink some of the drink some of that Kool Aid and uh, never get old. I guess I don't know. Sounds good to me. Let's do yeah. it. So yeah, the Zootopians they're they're like a they're a fascinating little group within Godzilla canon, you know, and I know that a lot of the, I know a lot of the, the alien protagonist, the alien antagonists, like the Exilians and the Keylocks, they get most of the recognition, um, throughout the franchise or even the, the Simeons from Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. They get a lot of that love from the franchise, but I really, I really want some Cetopian stuff. Like I really want to know about these Cetopian people because, if nothing else, they sound like a hoot to go to a party with. Yeah, they sound like fun to hang out with. And I tweeted about this the other day as I was watching. Mm. Um, you know how Mothra and King Caesar have cool songs to wake up to? But like, <laughs> yes, where's I... Megalon's song? Like, <laughs> Megalon has to put up with, Megalon! Megalon! Wake up! Megalon! Destroy the earth! Destroy our enemies! And then Megalon's just like, what? I'm I'm sleeping. Me alone. For Megalon, you've just got, hey, wake up. Go. Destroy the earth. (laughs) Just like an obnoxious alarm clock. Yeah, it's like, like, shut up, little man. With your toga, I can crush you with my ginormous drill hand. Um, So, anyway. uh, So that's the Cetopians. And we would be remiss if we did not talk about uh, a couple of things and we can try to maybe start landing the plane here, but Jet Jaguar, old Jet Jaguar. Jet Jaguar is the best. I love him. He's my boy. Tell me now I've grown to love, I've grown to love Jet Jaguar over the years. He was never my favorite character though. Um, Tell me First of all, who give a description to the uninitiated what Jet Jaguar is and what you like about him. Or it. We don't know its gender. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's just call it it for now, I, I guess. But yeah, he's just a giant robot with a cool design that can change size and beat up kaiju. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, that's, that's why I like him. And he's just like a friend to the protagonists or human protagonists and... He flies too, so that's cool. So he is the he is the robot equivalent to Gamera. Basically, yeah. Okay. The friend because I, I thought for a second there you're gonna you were gonna say he was a friend to all children, but he's only but he's only he's, friend he's friend to the Kenny of this movie. Right. He's friend to this he's just friend to this child. He hates all the other kids. All the he other just, kids suck. Just yeah, this one Kenny. Just this likes. one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I can like I can see uh I can see Jet Jaguar saying I like you. And then this other kid comes over and says, Chet, can I ride on your back? No, get away <laughs> from me. You know? Um, but yeah, that's like, so Jet is, Jet is a really fun character and, um, who is, is really beloved by like Godzilla fans. Like a lot of Godzilla fans love Jet Jaguar. Like there's a, there's so much Jet Jaguar fanfic. There's so much Jet Jaguar, um, uh, there's been, you know, Jet Jaguar was I uh, was uh, featured as a main character in the in the most in the recent Godzilla Singular Point, um, mm-hmm. and it's just a really iconic character for for Toho and just a really iconic character for 
you know, Japanese monster movies in general. And I, I just think it's a great character. It's never, like I said, it's never been my favorite character of the franchise, uh, but he has definitely grown on me um, over time. Yeah, he's he's a great character. I love him. I've always liked him as a, even as a kid. And like he just it seems like he always has like this permanent smile on his face. You know, it, I like it. Yeah. I, it. It looks it looks like he's smiling, at least to me. He does. I think so. Like it's either a smile or a I'm going to kill you grin. I like to uh, think it's just a smile. Yeah, let's let's go with the smile for, you know, for the children, for the for the children, all the children. (laughs) I'm having I'm having flashbacks to your uh, Toys for Tots stream now, like for the children, all the children. Let us make a fool of ourselves for the children, all the children. (laughs) Gold open. (laughs) For the children, for the children. (laughs) <laughs> but there's you know jet jaguar he's great you know jet jaguar is great um like there's like there's not a ton as far as like the like as far as like the tokusatsu element to this movie like, there's not a ton to complain about like the effects in this movie are done uh are done are undone really well like i would expect nothing less from a godzilla movie like there it's been rare that we've had a godzilla movie that just looked awful and I know a lot of fans kind of hate on this movie. They're like, it's all done in just the open field. Uh, why can't we do it? Why can't? And they just use the city stuff for, with stock footage. Like, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like they were just, they were trying to stick out of your butt, man. They were just trying to save money, people. Come on. Take uh, out of your butt and just enjoy the movie. I will. But speaking of sort of the talk, so speaking of sort of the, the, the tokusatsu stuff, like the, spe- the, the special effects and all, and for the uninitiated, so all tokusatsu means is very special effects or special effect making or special effect. I don't know. There's a, there's another word out there that I'm, that I'm probably missing, but it's essentially special effects, Japanese special effects. So one of the most, I would say impressive scenes in this movie is the, the damn scene and not the D A M N scene but the d-a-m scene Mm -hmm. where uh megalon first comes to the surface and he approaches the dam and he has sort of that uh i don't know if this was on purpose or what but he has sort of that godzilla 54 moment where he's just kind of he just appears over the ridge of the mountainside yeah um that's a common shot with a lot of kaiju films but it specifically brings to mind like godzilla 1954 but like that whole sequence of events where, you know, uh, Megalon is coming down the mountainside and destroys the dam and just all of that, I feel like worked incredibly well as a special effect. I agree. That worked really well. It was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was just like, like this movie is very, um, this movie's kind of uh, very open. It's in like, like I said, the battle is the, the battle between the Gigan Megalon jet Jaguar and Godzilla is set in like an open field. And so there's not a lot of like visual things to look at there except for the monsters. But in the moments that like, like really good special effects are used and special, uh, specifically special effects that show um, scale of the monsters and, sh- and scale specifically of uh, Megalon. Uh, it's done really well. And, and the, and the damn scene kind of reinforces that. Now I will say my only gripe about that whole sequence was if I were in that crate and I got 
kicked, if I got kicked by a, a kaiju, mm-hmm. I seriously doubt that I would have survived that. Yeah, that's that's another thing I was going to mention. Like, how did they survive being, you know, <laughs> tossed into oblivion in a metal crate, no less? Right. Yeah, with with no with their hands tied behind their backs and no way to free themselves and no way to like really kind of brace their fall. Like, how are you going to do that? And I don't know. Like, but plot convenience um, is all I is really all I can is really all I can think. But you know that whole the whole build up there I thought was was well done. It, there, it was suspenseful. It served its purpose. It served its purpose to the plot well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it's one of the better scenes in this movie. Uh, But we would be remiss if we did not talk about the most iconic scene from this movie. So Kim, you know, I'm going to let you do the honors. I want you to take us in and, and give us a visual picture of the most iconic scene. I would dare say not just in Godzilla versus Megalon, but the most iconic scene in Godzilla media period. I mean, it's pretty freaking iconic, I gotta say. (laughs) Okay. All right, so we're in the final moments of the film. Jet Jaguar has got Megalon, you know, he's holding him back. Godzilla gets a running start, and he balances on his tail, and you just see him fly across the screen and give him a nice drop kick. It's so beautiful. So on a scale of one, on a scale of meh to it's freaking glorious what would you rate that scene i think you know my answer it was freaking glorious (laughs) (laughs) you know that's and and a lot of a lot of people point to that scene when they when they talk about like how cheesy and campy and stupid these movies are but you know what but you know what It, it it just adds to the character. It just it just adds to the fun of this movie. This this movie that set out to be a family friendly kids action adventure movie where they've got a brand they've got a brand new character with Jet Jaguar that plays like a, an Ultraman type character because for those who who don't know this, uh, Ultraman is actually more popular in Japan than even Godzilla is. Like. Like Ultraman is more ingrained into pop culture. Ultraman is, if I could put it in terms that a lot of like Western fans could understand, Ultraman is there is Japan's Superman, basically. Yeah, uh, essentially, basically. He, he is he is Japan he is Japan's Superman. Where I would say probably Common Rider is Common Rider is probably Japan's Batman. Because yeah, you know, that, Kamen, that's about right. Yeah, yeah. So I, and I'm not I'm not quite sure where. I'm not quite sure where Super Sentai falls with there. I would I would venture to say that Super Sentai is like Japan's Avengers. We'll, we'll go there. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll go there. Um, but you know, in, in terms of this movie, like speaking of like this movie in particular, um, it just adds to a scene like that. Just adds to the to the charm of it. And like I said, you have you have like two new characters, uh, Megalon and, and Jet Jaguar, and both being very pop. Both have seen have had an uptick in popularity as time has went on. I don't know what the popularity of these characters are either in Japan today or Japan back in the seventies, but they I know in the circles that 
kind of we run in, you know, Megalon and Jet Jaguar has kind of had an uptick in popularity, you know, over the years. So, you know, there's a, just, just a lot to love about Godzilla versus Megalon. Um, and that, that very iconic scene where, where Godzilla does the tail glide and kicks Megalon in the chest, that just adds twice. twice. That just adds to the, to the charm and to the lore of Godzilla. Um, I know there was a, uh, there was a, there was a conversation to be had around, I think it was around G, uh, when GVK was in theaters or after it left theaters or whatever. And people were talking about like, well, Godzilla can't smile. Okay. Not loud. Okay. Again, Um, I say, take the stick out of your butt and just ignore (laughs) the movie. Okay. So Godzilla can't smile, but he can verbally talk to other kaiju. He can fly because that's a thing. Mm-hmm. He can um, he can glide on his tail to drop kick somebody, but you're not gonna want him. But you don't want him to smile. Hmm. Hmm. That's odd. Okay. Godzilla has too much joy. I don't like it. <laughs> God's well. Godzilla just good. Godzilla in especially in Godzilla versus Megalon. Godzilla is just pure joy. He is. And this movie is just, uh, in my opinion, this movie is just pure joy. It really is. And as I'm, and as I'm talking, like I'm, I'm actively uh, in my mind, I'm actually, I'm actively thinking about changing my score um, from what I have it already uh, to something different because I am just kind of reflecting on this movie and reflecting what I watched and having this conversation with you. It just, you know, Godzilla versus Megalon just, just brings you pure joy. So you know, uh, Kim, before we, before we let, la- before we land this plane, do you have anything else that you want to add? Any positives, negatives, uh, just any, like any thoughts, opinions that you want to, uh, maybe trigger some folks with? Um, well, I can just, I guess I can just go into my final thoughts. Is that so, if that's all right with you? Sure. Let's, let's go for it. Let's go for it. All right, but yeah, so I think everyone should see this movie at least once. I mean, it's obviously not a perfect movie because a perfect movie does not exist. Um, But there's a lot to love about it. It's goofy. It's fun. It has a lot of entertainment value. It's one of those movies where you can just sit back, make fun of it, and have a good time. I mean, like I said at the beginning, I love this movie. I love it to death. And there's nothing you can say to make me not love it. But I also love making fun of it because that's... That's part of the fun. You know, at the end of the day, movies are generally made for entertainment. And I, for one, was very entertained by this movie, both as a child and as an adult. So those are my final thoughts. All right. All right. So I will go ahead and give my final thoughts and then we'll give our Godzuki score in just a minute. But my final thoughts on this movie, I'm going to go ahead and, and reiterate something that our friend Danny said to me about this movie, because it is... It is incredibly true. Um, and he and what he said was, you know, Godzilla versus Megalon is really a 25 minute Henshin hero kaiju slash kaiju TV show episode masquerading as a feature length movie. A lot of st- a lot of stuff just didn't need to be there. I love the film to death, but the padding is ex- but the padding is obvious. Um, and I'm going to tack on and say, yes, that's true. The padding is is incredibly obvious, and there's a lot of stuff that we've like we've mentioned in the episode that could have been cut out. But you know, my final thoughts are 
if you like Godzilla, watch this film. And I know a lot of folks out there uh, listening to this who are interested in Godzilla, you've probably already seen this movie before. You probably already have an opinion formed about this movie, either in the positive or the negative. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage you, if you're listening to this, uh, after you watch, after you listen to this episode, go back and rewatch this movie and try to find some stuff in it that you either didn't notice or you did, or you weren't necessarily thinking about when you watched it, maybe the time before, because I know for a lot of fans, you know, this is not super high on their list. They may not watch it very often. So it's probably been, I would venture to say it's probably been a hot minute since you've probably watched, um, Godzilla versus Megalon. And I'm just going to encourage you to go watch it because it is really a fun movie. And there is, um, it may be, it may be shallow depth, but there is depth to it. It is a, it's a very simplistic plot. Uh, there's a lot of things in it. There's a lot of stuff put into this. Um, there's a lot of stuff put into this movie just for plot convenience. And we can't ignore that. But overall, as a film and as just as, a, as an escapist popcorn movie, just something you can enjoy with your significant other or even by yourself, it's great. And I would recommend anyone go watch Godzilla vs. Megalon. And I think that, you know, as as I'm kind of talking and as I'm thinking and reflecting here, my opinion is is slowly is slowly changing about this movie. I was I was one of those guys that used to hate this movie. I used to. Uh, dish all over this movie and for good reason. But still, I think there's a lot here to, to enjoy. And I think that if you go back and you watch it again, uh, you're going to find something that you really like about this too. So that's my final thoughts. Um, but we can't wrap up the actual film discussion until Kim, we give our Godzuki score. And for those who are uninitiated to our podcast, we like to pay tribute to the great and powerful Godzuki by using him as our yardstick to rate movies. So Kim, what Godzuki score, and you have to sing it. Okay. Would you give Godzilla versus Megalon? You know, I changed my score a couple of times, but you know what? I love this movie so much that I'm just going to have to give this a five out of five. Godzilla. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. I think that's the first time I've ever heard someone give Godzilla versus Megalon a five out of five. You did say, I want to make sure you did say a five out of five. I said five out of five. I'm I'm sticking with it. I love this movie to death. I love it so much. (laughs) I will defend it to my grave. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, that is, that is completely respectable. That is completely respectable. And, you know, I can totally see where you, where you got to, to that score. So for me, for me, I'm going to give it 4.5 out of five Godzookies because although this is not a perfect movie, it's still a fun movie. And people who have listened to this show before, they know my criteria for judging movies. As long as, as long as a film entertains me and it fulfills its purpose of being entertainment, um, then 
then that's really all I need in a lot of cases. Now, there are some films that, that like Howl from Beyond the Fog, that have a very deeper message that you have to kind of analyze from that point of view that are like have like good, like a lot of cultural significance. But, um, but for me, like this, this movie is just so incredibly entertaining. It, it, like I put this on par with, with other films in the Godzilla franchise that just, just entertain me like Godzilla versus King Ghidorah from 91. I know a lot of people hate that movie too, but I love it. And because it's just something that you can kind of curl up in a blanket and watch and enjoy and smile and laugh. And it just has pretty much anything you would want in a Godzilla film. So that's my score. 4.5 Godzukis. Kim, I think you're the first person again to ever give uh, Godzilla versus Megalon a five out of five, which is totally respectable. Yeah. And I'm unapologetically giving it five out of five. You and for that, and for that, ma'am, you are a freaking legend. Why? Thank you. So audio listener that wraps up our discussion on uh, Godzilla versus Megalon. If you enjoyed it, please let us know by emailing us at kaijuweekly at gmail.com or give us a shout out on Twitter at kaijuweekly and tell us how much you enjoyed the discussion or how much you thought we were totally off base. We want to hear that too. So Kim, let me ask you, we, we, we got, we do another little thing on this show. We do another segment on the show. Do you know what that segment is? Hmm, is it the mailbag? It's the mailbag. What's in the mail today? And this week's mailbag comes from our good friend, Mr. Nicholas Blackler. Uh, And Nick writes, I would love to know... I would love to know not only what each of your favorite Godzilla scores are, which I think I have, which I think I've heard you mention in the past, but also what other types of music do each of you enjoy? Favorite artists, bands, etc. So thanks, Nick. Uh, and Kim, since you are my guest, I will let you answer this one first. All right, cool. So as far as um, Godzilla scores go, I love the score from the Heisei era, especially from Return of Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Biollante, and Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. Um, I find those very enjoyable. Um, as for other types of music I enjoy, I tend to lean towards rock and metal, but I'll listen to pop every once in a while. Okay. Um, let's see. I absolutely love evanescence i was waiting for it i was waiting for it to come up okay yes evanescence is my favorite (laughs) band they've been my favorite band since i was 15 years old i'm actually seeing them this coming saturday which by the time this episode goes up will have already passed but yes i'll be seeing evanescence very soon so i'm excited about that provided that the concert is not postponed again because it was already postponed once uh thank you covid all right so other artists i like are Lindsay Sterling, Metallica, Shine Down, Three Days Grace, Zen Temptation, and Avenged Sevenfold. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm actually supposed to be seeing Shine Down. I think we're going to. Uh, I think Julie and I are going to Pittsburgh, maybe Pittsburgh or Nashville, something like that. They're going to be. I want to say in February, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but I, th- I'm supposed to go to a shine down concert. Cause I too like shine down, but let me back up and give give my answer for my favorite Godzilla score. So, um, 
I don't know if I've actually talked about it on the podcast, my favorite Godzilla score. And honestly, Nick, the, this, the answer to this question fluctuates depending on what kind of mood or what movies I've watched recently. Um, but usually the score that sticks out the most to me, as far as a Godzilla score goes, is the one from Invasion of Astro Monster or Godzilla versus Monster Zero. I think that the, I think Godzilla versus Monsters, the score to Godzilla versus Monster Zero is fantastic. Um, I just, it, it, it is Akira Ifakube at its, at his, at his best. I, the music and the, to, the music and the tone just matches the film perfectly. And I just think that is a, it's a, just a well done score to a well, to a perfectly, to a, I'll put a, almost a perfect Godzilla movie, uh, in my opinion. Um, if I had to give an honorable mention, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to side with Kim here and say that Godzilla versus the score to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two from the Heisei era, uh, is a really great score. That one, the, the, the opening theme to, to that movie is mm, chef's kiss. Absolutely. Yeah. That is, I, I, in fact, I have that song, uh, I have that song on my playlist for when I, when I go to the gym, when I go work out, because it just, it's like, it's like the dirty brass and the dirty, like the horns and everything just kind of going, coming in together. And you've got that, that, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it, but it's, it's just such a good, good score for yeah. God, for Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla too, especially that, that opening theme song to, to the movie is just, it's just wonderful. I'm almost tempted to go and watch that movie after we get done recording here, because I love that score so darn much. Um, as for like other artists, like other, other songwriters, I'm kind of an old soul. I do like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and some of like, and some of that genre of music. I love Frank's, I love Frank Sinatra's. I I love Frank Sinatra. I love like putting, like putting a Frank album on, putting a, a Frank Sinatra album on and just kind of hanging out in the evening and just maybe reading a book or just something like that, just to kind of just relax with. Um, but believe it or not, I don't listen to a ton of music. I listen to more podcasts and audiobooks than I listen to music, but I am really heavily into rock and metal. Like one of my all time favorite bands growing up or when I got to be uh, a teenager was motorhead, loved motorhead, loved Metallica, Megadeth, all those bands. Um, and I still listen to that stuff today. I'm not big on like more contemporary artists. I don't care for hip hop all that much. Uh, if it's hip, if, if I do listen to hip hop, it's old school hip hop, like Biggie Smalls, Tupac, et cetera, um, that kind of stuff. But it's very few and far between that. I listen to hip hop, honestly. Um, like I don't think I've listened to an Eminem song in 15 years, something like that. I don't know. Uh, it just never was something that I was into. Like the, you know, the hip, the whole hip hop culture and that whole thing. It just, it just never was something that really appealed to me. When, like growing up, I always hung out with the stoner kids and the rocker kids and the kids in the band that played the guitar and stuff like that. And I hung out with those guys and I, and I got to really enjoy bands like Queen and the Who and uh, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and all that. And that's the, that's the stuff that I love. Um, that's the stuff that I listen to constantly when I, in my, when I'm in my free time, but you know, taking it back to Kaiju, um, Godzilla, probably, you know, like I said, Godzilla versus monster zero and 
a very uh, a very close runner up would be Godzilla versus uh, Mechagodzilla two from 1993. So thank you so much, Nick, for that question. You're a great listener, and that was a fantastic question. If you want to be cool like Nick and send us a mailbag question, you can uh, by emailing us at g at kaijuweekly at gmail.com. Or you can just tweet at us at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter, or you can find us hanging out in uh, the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group or on Instagram. Uh, there are ways to find us. So if you have a mailbag question or if you have something that is burning in your soul to ask Travis or I or one of our guests, uh, please reach out to us and we will read that on a future episode. So, Kim, the only thing left to do for this episode is to ask the trivia question for the next episode that we're going to do of Kaiju Weekly. And again, for the uninitiated, we like to ask trivia questions that helps uh, lead into a uh, an episode or a movie or a TV show that we're going to be reviewing in a future episode. So uh, the trivia question for next week goes like this. A gymnastics maneuver used in the 1964 Summer Olympics in Tokyo called the Ultra C helped inspire the name of this 1966 Kaiju TV series. So there's your trivia question for next week. And if you have an answer for us, please, uh, it can you will post it up on social media. You can email us at kaijuweekly gmail.com or we'll, you can wait for us to post it on our Twitters and you can answer it there. And again, it doesn't have to be the right answer as you've seen in this episode. It just has to be a answer and we will read that out on a future episode. So Kim, thank you so much for doing this for, with us or with me rather. I'm, I wish Travis could be here, but you know, as, as I've said in, in other episodes or other times uh, on the podcast that, uh, you know, Travis is dealing with his own stuff right now and it's, he, uh, full disclosure, he just lost his grandmother for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, that's not, uh, that's not a secret. He actually did post something on, on Twitter about it, but you know, I thank you, Kim, for, for stepping in, uh, when he couldn't be here. And I know Travis deeply appreciates it and I deeply appreciate it. So before we go, um, do you want to give any plugs, anything that, uh, you want to tell the folks before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, sure. So once again, I am known as Kaiju Kim on YouTube. Um, you can check out my show, Chill with Kaiju Kim, live on Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, I will also be launching a new channel pretty soon where I'll be uploading my short film projects that I'll be making throughout this year and beyond. Some of it will be Kaiju related, but most of it will not be. Um, a few people know the name of the channel already, but I haven't officially announced it yet. But if you want to know when I do announce it, you can follow me on Twitter at Kaiju Kim to stay up to date. That is it, all. It's not, uh, it, it's not Kaiju Sassafras, is it? Where you just get sassy with the audience and you just. <laughs> oh no, that's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> or or it's, it's not, it's not an, it's not a, a podcast where you get your fiance on camera and ask him a bunch of random questions about kaiju that he doesn't know. It is, it's not something like that, is it? No, but I do plan on having him on my show around Valentine's Day. So <laughs> there's, there's going to be a little bit of that. <laughs> I I am so looking forward to that. You know, I, I will pray for your fiance. Uh, and please, <laughs> please, 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 Kim, for the love of Godzilla, just have mercy on him. That's all I got. That's all I ask. All right. No promises. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so thank you, Kim, for, for joining me. And thank you, everyone, for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly. All the links to our social media, as well as the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to the trivia questions to our email kaijuweekly at gmail.com a big thank you to everyone who has supported kaijurama magazine so far if you want to go find out more about that project check out kaijuramanmedia.com because a little uh, something that uh people don't know yet we are actually going to consolidate we are actually trying to consolidate all of our podcasts um this podcast the henshin men podcast and the power trip podcast all under one banner of kaijuraman media to help make that to to help make it a little bit more cohesive uh, with everything else we've got going on. So uh, you can go check out that project at kaijuramanmedia.com. And there's one more thing, Kim, they can do to help support this podcast. And that is by going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. Actually, you can go do that on, on Spotify as well. I didn't know that until the other day, until just the other day. But if you leave us a five-star review or a rating, you don't have to leave a review. Just leave us a five-star rating. What that's going to do is that's going to help put this show in front of other kaiju, tokusatsu, and just general giant monster fans just like you. It's going to help us grow. It's going to help us do more fun projects like with our wonderful friend Kim here and with Kaiju Rama Media. Um, and we would just deeply, deeply appreciate it. So to close out this episode, we have to say... Help control the giant monster population. Have your megalons spayed or neutered? Yeah. Megalon, neuter, megalon. <laughs> megalon, neuter, <laughs> megalon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, bye, guys. Thank bye. you so much.